Welcome to the Lemon Spark Podcast, where we share stories about lemons that spark a new direction in life. I'm your host, Barbara Zabala. Well, welcome Kathleen McDonough Mundo to the Lemon Spark Podcast. Thank you so much for joining. I am excited that you are here to tell us about your Lemon Spark story. Everyone, please meet Kathleen. She is a lawyer, as I just learned, and she has an interesting childhood lemon to share and that led her to becoming an author. So Kathleen, please tell us about your experience as a child. Well, hello. First of all, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be part of this podcast and, and this program. And I, uh, I'll start with the lemon, but um, just fast forward really quickly. You know, at the end of it, writing a book as a result was just such a wonderful process for me, and I was so thrilled about it. So, um, the book really is—it's a, a memoir. It's called Badger State, a Wisconsin memoir, and it is about. Our families moved from the Chicago suburbs to Racine, Wisconsin in the 1970s. And things were generally different then. I mean, the, the book has a lot of uh, fabric of how things were in the 70s and how children were raised and how things were so different. And, and you know, you kind of went out and did your own thing and you were back by dinner and it's an entirely different scenario right now. So there's a lot of that and a lot of just um, geographical, interesting um, things that, that I, I talk about in Racine, Wisconsin. But largely it's about some of the things that we didn't expect to happen to our family. Some of the, the you know, I would say dis disappointing would be to would be putting it lightly. Uh, so we we lived in Racine. We came to Racine in the seventies because of the fact that my father was in the hospitality industry. Um, he was in the Korean War. He became a chef when he came back to Chicago, and then he ultimately managed country clubs. And so there was an opportunity at the Racine Country Club, which he took. And it, we, you know, we had no family or friends, didn't know anyone in Racine. And, and it wasn't a far move, but just in terms of moving from the suburbs of Chicago, when you have six children in grade school and high school, um, that, that's a big deal. Uh, but he took a job at Racine Country Club, and we moved across the street from the country club. And he was there for about three years. But within that time, um, he started a relationship with a much younger woman that was working for him. And um, you know, no surprise, my parents were divorced and he moved back to Illinois. And basically the rest of us were left in Racine to kind of, I wouldn't say fend for ourselves, but in a way. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. How old were you, Kathleen, at this time? So I, I was a, a, a little bitty. Uh, I was the youngest of six. And so um, I was six years old when, when we moved, I was in first grade. And I remember that distinctly because the, the first day of first grade, they tested us for, you know, a reading and math. And I was so, so nervous. And I, you know, took the test and I thought I screwed them all up and, and I ended up doing well, I guess, surprised much to my surprise. So I was six years old. Yeah. Okay. And so you're, you, after three years of your dad working at this country club, he moved back to Illinois. Now you guys are all left in Racine. Right. And, you know, at the end of the day, we, we grew to really love Racine, but um, the problem was that my father, um, he was in and out of jobs over that period of time. So we, we had a beautiful home and we were largely optimistic that we would be able to keep that home. And, um, you know, later on a few years go by and my mom who was waitressing to make ends meet and working very, very hard. Um, and we just didn't have a lot. She, she started dating a much younger, um, gentleman from 
sort of a diner she was working at. He was a Greek guy and his group of friends loved to play cards. And so we would have these Greek poker players over on Friday nights who would <sighs> play cards. They didn't drink. They just had coffee and sandwiches and they would pay my mom to be able to play poker in basically our dining room in the house. Wow. So we went through that, <laughs> which was interesting. And then as my book, Badger State talks about, we were raided by the police as though we were having some sort of crazy nefarious thing going on. And that brought an end to the poker game which that was helping to fund our mortgage and our bills. And when that happened, we soon lost the house afterward and after that and had to kind of move on and get rid of a lot of things that we had, you know, over time come to love, including a family dog, which was oh. at the time for a little girl. Um, I guess at that time it was a, uh, I was in seventh grade. So we moved and we were having a really tough time economically. And I guess the, the big um, part of the story is not only were we having economic difficulties, there was a lot of substance abuse, a lot of alcoholism in our family, which makes things even more complicated. And I don't talk about it too much in the book because I really didn't want to sort of shame anyone. Um, it, it's largely focused on uh, the fact that we just had some serious economic difficulties to the point that, you know, we had a we were a family who seemed to be doing okay. And then we turned around and we were, you know, getting subsidized cheese and, and we had to go on welfare and get food stamps. And I'd have to go to the grocery store with my mom while people sort of gave us dirty looks while we handed over food stamps in order to basically buy groceries. And you said that's, that was something that you didn't really t talk about with your friends, of course. Yeah, yeah. Kids are embarrassed about just about anything. I mean, you want to stay behind the, under the radar rather as a yeah. kid or junior high or whatever, and you don't want a extra attention for anything. And so, yeah, you were, weren't really sharing that information with anyone. You're trying to hide it. You were embarrassed and you know, there's nothing to be embarrassed about it. You were going through a difficult time and it wasn't really, certainly wasn't my mom's fault. And I'm not really, you know, I could certainly blame some individuals, but <laughs> you, know, you can't, you just can't, you know, at, at the time it, it was, it was hard because you didn't know whether the bills were going to get paid. You didn't know yeah. whether you'd have to move out of what was kind of like a, a rented town, rental townhome that we had in another part of town. So it was just a lot of economic uncertainty. And you, I just saw my mom struggling so much through that time. It was really, really sad. It was hard to watch her. And as a kid who's trying to just do well in school and, you know, um, yeah. trying to live a normal existence, it's just, it's hard to have all of that uncertainty in your life. Yeah. And you certainly don't need to have like reminders of the struggles as you're, you know, indicating, you know, trying to hide the fact that there's economic struggles at home. Um, I, I, I say this because I know I have personal experience with that too. You know, when, there was a time in my childhood where I had, you know, subsidized lunches at school and they would have larger lunch tickets, you know, larger in size lunch tickets for the kids who had, you know, the subsidized lunch plan versus the kids who, you know, didn't. And so I was always embarrassed by the fact that my lunch ticket was so much bigger than most of my peers. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I, that didn't need yeah. to be the, the case, you know? No, I, and I remember something similar. I, I didn't write about it in my memoir, but when I was in seventh grade, I had to get glasses. And uh, I remember my mom taking me to like Shopco, I think at the time to get glasses. And, you know, she said, okay, pick out some glasses. And I went through and I didn't want to wear glasses in the first place. You're, you're, you're a girl who's a teenager and no, yeah. glasses weren't cool back then. Glasses were no. not cool at all. And so, um, you know, I picked out a pair that I thought were livable. And then my mom said, well, um, you know, we're on uh, public aid. 
And the woman who was helping us basically, you know, set aside those glasses and went to the back and pulled out a box of, you know, kind of the reject glasses that we were allowed to then pick from. In other words, you know, oh, you're, you're those people, you can't have these things out here. And, and what a lesson it taught me to have just empathy for people who are struggling and empathy for people who don't have a lot or are going through a tough time because some people ridiculously think that folks who are on public aid or you know welfare, whatever version of it, um, that, that they somehow deserve it or that they're lazy or that they should have seen it coming. And you certainly can't expect to, you know, like my mom could not have expected to go through a divorce when she did. She had no, you know, career to back, to fall back on, had no, you know, post high school education. And that, that wasn't her fault. And, and, you know, thankfully there is a, a system in place to help people out because ultimately as soon as we can get out of, get, could get out of that on the other side, we did. We didn't want to stay yeah. On that. yeah. So how did you guys uh, emerge from that? Like when, when did it happen? How long did it take? Yeah. I, I don't remember the exact, you know, date or anything like that, but I do know that, you know, as my older siblings got older and went off and got their own jobs and we, you know, were able to sort of, downscale the economy in our, in our house. And, um, and, and I know that they were trying to help my mom as well. Um, it, you know, it took a few years and, um, I, I think just moving to a, the rental place mm-hmm. helped out because we didn't have the mortgage over our head and we were just able to kind of make do with what we had. And so it just kind of caused us to change, make a lot of changes and kind of, you know, tighten our belts and kept doing that until we didn't really need to rely on public aid any longer. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned you did something to help get you through these tough years. And so why don't you talk about that? Yeah, so the, the one thing that's free and um, just a wonderful resource for little kids is the public library. And we had a bookmobile by our house where I would go every Saturday and pick out all sorts of books. And I just read and read and read. Um, I wasn't really good at sports and we didn't have family members who were available to get us involved in sports, even if I was, you know, so reading was a, was a great opportunity to, to focus on something productive and positive. It made me a better student. It it made me smarter. I think it, honestly, I just learned so much over time and I just developed a lifelong love of reading. It's such a cliche thing, but I really did. And it, it uh, is something that ultimately after reading and reading and reading for so many years, then going to law school, then being a lawyer who who wrote so many things over the years, non nonfiction. I mean, well, they were they were technical, right? So not mm-hmm. really a book, but um, I, I kind of always wanted to write a book, and so that that's ultimately what happened. Yeah. So now the Badger State of Wisconsin memoir is the name of the book. So when did you write that book? I started the book in 2018 and I slowly added to it over the course of about two years. And then when the pandemic hit, seems to be a thing that people are saying <laughs> for everything these days, but, but literally when it hit um, in 2020, I spent several months um, just focusing on that book. And I was able to do that because I wasn't commuting to work and mm-hmm. I wasn't taking the kids to school. We were actually living full-time up in Wisconsin for about six months because they were e-learning. So that really allowed me to focus on it and sort of uh, go for long walks and hikes and structure everything in my head and take what was sort of out there and put it in a, a, in a good package so that it would be uh, an easy to read book. And that was sort of my goal, something that was very readable, um, 
you know, something that people would want to finish. I mean, I've read, I've started lots of books that I didn't want to finish because I thought they were too chunky or difficult, or, you know, I just wasn't in mm-hmm. God forbid that would happen with a book that I wrote. So that was sort of my goal that at least people finish it. <laughs> so this is a, a nonfiction book kind of based, it's based on what your experience, as you said, and growing up in Wisconsin and in the 1970s, this is like a Gen X kind of book. If I, if I can just editorialize a bit, um, our latchkey lifestyle, <laughs> um, so do you go through in your book the, you know, the, you talk about the economic struggles, but do you kind of, does it follow like the lemon spark uh, path where, you know, you talk about how that, all that experience kind of led to this, this memoir? Yeah, truly, uh, not, not just the memoir, but also really focusing on education because education to me became of paramount importance that I knew I had to stick with my education, if I wanted to have something to fall back on, if I needed a career that, you know, um, you know, God forbid something would happen later in life um, where I, I was having economic struggles that being a lawyer or, you know, there's all sorts, many, many careers that allow you to just have um, just more economic certainty, I would say. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think that the, the good side of it and where I came out on the other end is, is I was, I really truly dedicated myself to a path where I was at least trying to make things better in a way that I could, a way that I could control. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went into college. I went into law school. I, I, I had all sorts of debt, but I knew it was worth it. <laughs> Luckily, there were some scholarships along the way too, but it was well worth it to put in that effort and to work and to, um, you know, hold jobs and, and, you know, put myself through school because I saw how important that really is to, particularly as a woman, to, to know that, you know, you, you have the freedom of, of having a career to fall back on. I think that's incredibly important. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose you kind of got that perspective from watching your mom who didn't have those things. Right. So um, that's really awesome. So when was the book published? When was it released? It was released at the end of October in 2020. So uh, yeah, not not an ideal time during, again, a pandemic, but um, it's it's been a lot of fun. And there's, you know, the events events related to the book, that's great, like this, for instance, just all political things have have come out um, as a result. And who's the publisher? So the Henschel House. Henschel House, okay. That's that's how I got to connect with you because yeah, I've published a book through Henschel house too. So awesome. And, and so you people who want to read the book or learn more about the book, they can obviously go to Henschel house publishing um, to find out. And I assume it's also on Amazon. Yes. It's on Amazon and it's on Barnes and Noble. And I recently found out um, by, by surprise and to my delight that it's also available online at target. (laughs) Really? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So if people wanted to learn more about you, um, do you have other, can they connect with you on social media or do you have a website um, where, how can they find you? So they can connect with me on social media uh, through Facebook, uh, Kathleen McDonough Mundo. And then there's also a, 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 an author website through Facebook. It's Badger State Wisconsin Memoir. And, and also I'm on Instagram at kmundo, kmundo2020. Okay. Well, I hope people follow you and uh, get your book. Sounds like it's a, an enjoyable read, especially for those of us who did grow up in that time period 
I'm sure there's a lot we'll be able to relate to in one way or another. So um, that's wonderful. And I'm so glad that, you know, you, you found a silver lining, that spark in those lemons that you faced early on. And uh, now you've put some wonderful literature out into the world. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate this. Thank you for listening to the Lemon Spark Podcast. If you have a Lemon Spark story to share or know someone who does, please message us on Facebook and be sure to like our page. And remember, it's not the lemon that defines you, it's the spark.